Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey, Moto America fans, welcome to episode 31. This is a special one for us, and not just because we're on video and you get to see me. That's a really nice chair. That's the (laughs) way, yeah. We're having a fireside chat with a a Brit here, Um, and after Jonathan introduced us, we've got another Brit on in in Michael Hill. Hey, guys. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by, we got an Australian, a Brit, we were introduced by a Brit, and here I'm just an ugly American, so, um, but we're glad to have Michael on. Michael uh, is here with us at Road America this weekend, and I think it's his first time at Road America, and great indoctrination. He's been, obviously, to Laguna Seca every year for a long time. But coming to Road America is such a cool deal for him because we we really take a lot of pride in this track. So, so Michael, welcome. Thank you. No, thanks for inviting me. And I've got to say, Paul, this is some swanky pageant going here. You know, it's like, I yeah. stay at the nicest places. <laughs> I sit in the biggest chairs. It's like, what's the throne called on Game yeah, of the, Thrones? Yeah. That's, that's kind yeah, of you're, it. You're, you're John panel. Snow. You're the, yeah, I'm the John Snow of this show. <laughs> Please, but you, do you actually watch that? I know we're going to talk about bikes, but Game of Thrones, what is that all about? I could never get into that. I tried to watch Watch no. a little bit of it, but I didn't really watch too much of it. I binge watched the entire thing. I'd never seen any of it, but I knew this was going to be the final season. Yeah. So I binge watched from season one, episode one, in like three months. But somebody in on our on our trip today, we did a media tour to Milwaukee with Jake Gagne and and uh, and JD Beach. I think it was Gagne who said one of his friends got hurt. Oh no, it was it, it was uh, it was one of the Gillums got hurt. Had to spend some time in bed and watch the entire Game of Thrones in eight days. No, which means he basically watched it. I would yeah, think nonstop. nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't that bad, but I did make sure I was caught up when the new season started. So. And I just couldn't get into it. Couldn't yeah, really get into it. It's I didn't the- think I could, but I. It was one of those things where if you force your way through the first two, then you're kind of good. Yeah, and I watched the last. I didn't have a clue what was going on. Just drivers no, and people getting killed. Yeah, I like, yeah, you wouldn't. I, I'm terrible with the fact that you, if you don't see the beginning of a series, I don't want to join it in the middle and not know what's going on. So yeah. I just don't bother to watch. Yeah, but it, that's so. why they have shows that you can actually watch from the beginning. Right, and I should know. have realized in the beginning it was something I should be watching. So, so anyway, let's talk to Michael about being in. Road <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was just saying. No, 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 I, the Thrones, I'm just like really. One of the things I, that I think is very cool about you, Michael, is from with what you do in World Superbike, when you go into a, ven- a track area, you seem to go early and you kind of get to know the area a little bit. And I saw you were in Chicago maybe yesterday. Yeah. And you got to see that big chrome jelly bean, bean thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I didn't even know that existed until I saw his thing. Yeah. I told really him cool. today I've seen more about Carl Lake <laughs> through his Instagram than I have in the 30 years that I've been coming here. No, I think it's important that, like, I feel really privileged with the job I've got in World Superbike and obviously to get the gig to come out here for a few rounds um, is fantastic. So I think it's important to try and learn a little bit about the area that you're going to be in. So, yeah, I went to Chicago, got straight off the plane. 45 minutes later, I was in downtown Chicago. Um, so yeah, I got to take a few pictures. That's kind of cool. Then I drove through Milwaukee. So I drove past the Harley factory. Oh, yeah. Um, didn't get a chance to go in, but drove past that. Um, and then, yeah, up this morning at half past three, fractured my leg. That's 3.30, half past three. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 3.30 this morning. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> sleep. So uh, I did a bit of a jog around the lake and what have you. And then... Uh, you tell us about what happened to the lake. So, <laughs> since you brought it up, yeah, yeah, tell so, us. Uh, yeah, thankfully, it's, it's, it's all right. But yeah, I, I miscounted the steps um, out of the hotel and uh, took one extra one and went down 
And you're staying at Seekins. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to tell Seekins. you right now, you're not the only guy that's ever oh, fallen no. the stairs at Seekins. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure there's been a few alcohol-induced well, injuries yeah. there. This was bang on this morning before I had breakfast. So uh... Yeah, usually people, alcohol-induced, hurt themselves. And they're also naked at the time, too. Usually they don't have any clothes. Yeah, so, someone actually sent me a tweet. And where are you staying? I said, oh, Seekins, I think, is where they've, they've booked me. And they're like, you know you have to streak? And I'm like, what? And the amount of people today that when are you streaking? I'm like, oh, it's like this big thing. It's like, no, I'm not, mate. There's nothing well, to see anyway, so there's, it's not happening. Everyone goes there on Sunday night to have a few drinks. Yeah. And back in the day, like Jim Allen, who was a Dunlop tire technician forever, yeah. him and like Randy Renfro, there was always a tradition that they would streak through the bar at some point in the night. But that tradition's, you know, no longer with us. Right. There we go. There we go. You can fire Sean might have to no, forced, no, <laughs> forced no. into it. No, but it, it's it's great. And like I said, this morning after the little mishap, I went to the circuit. I was at the track for sort of nine thirty. But I think it's important, you know. I've got to do three or four laps on a scooter mm-hmm. um, and just really just check out what's around the place, you know. Especially with the job that I've got you know, right. as a commentator, I think hopefully we don't have any red flags. But if there is ever a situation where something is stopped, you need to fill. It's it's good. Um, yeah. And I think to go around the track, as you said in the intro, the track is fantastic. Right. Like incredible. You know, it's. Have you ever been to, to WeatherTech, like Laguna, uh, WeatherTech right. Laguna, um, which I thought was fantastic circuit. It's a great venue. But this place seems to have everything. It's it's super fast. Like you see it on the TV, and you don't, I think, get the appreciation of the undulation mm-hmm. around the circuit right. and just how close the, the fans can get. Um, I did a lap, uh, one of the first laps, this one was with Chuck, with Chuck Atzler, and he took me around and was like, pointing out a few different things. And it was just, it's old school, is what I said to him. It's an old school venue, you know. Uh, I think there's very few tracks in the UK, maybe Alton Park, maybe Brands Hatch, where the fans, you get that natural amphitheatre where the, right. the fans are so close. A lot of the European tracks now, they're so far away that it's, they may as well not be right. at the track, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, this seems to have everything. It's got undulations, fast corners, slow corners. And then part of one of the features for um, for the live programme and this weekend, I took five of the guys out around the circuit in a golf cart and we filmed their favorite corner mm. um and it was just really interesting to hear the way that they're talking and, and you can t- clearly tell that as a rider they love racing here um and i watched back some of the other races from the last couple of years it, it seems to make the great racing let's just hope the let's just hope the sun keeps shining and right. we don't get any rain and uh, we should have some good races yeah the racers most most of them will always say it's if it's not their favorite it's it's first or second yeah, yeah yeah and it's just got that nice feeling to it as did you that ever race here did you ever no see the first the first uh motorcycle road race was not until 1980 uh, so it's freddie spencer he was, he was way done by then he was in europe with kenny right but um yeah they all like this place and you can see why yeah for sure i mean it's just for got sure. a good feel to it it's got a nice flow it's fast yeah. and the thing is is like i don't I, I we did some stories on it for the website coming in here but like the margin of victory here is just like by far the closest yeah, of any track. Like go Cameron's to. victory, like less than two seconds. At less than two seconds seven, for seven, seven wins. Or eight wins. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But you'll see that like all the all the races here come right. I mean, nobody ever gets away. But it's, it's like that in the you know it's like Phillip Island, right? It's the fastest yeah. track. It always has the closest races. Unless you're Alvaro Bautista on a Ducati Bugatti, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that kind of f things up a bit. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like those fast tracks are the yeah, ones yeah. that give you a closer. That's no, true. Yeah, a closer yeah. race. Yeah. Today, you and I saw you tweeted out something about the going up the front straight, how it's uphill, and you said it reminded you of somewhere. Oh yeah, I made a reference to Knock Hill, which is a circuit in Scotland um, near Edinburgh, which is only one point two miles. It's a short circuit that they use for the British superbikes, and one of the features there is they have this real sort of steep incline out of the last hairpin and over the top, and the superbikes and super sports just pop a little wheelie, you know, and um, just the gradient again. I think just you don't get 
the impression on the TV of no, just no, how steep that is. Right. Like going up the hill. And I was like, man, you can't even see the top. And even three quarters of the way up, I kind of stopped the scooter and just had the phone, you know, doing like instant back. I still can't even see the crest of this thing. Um, and again, just from speaking some, to some of the riders, I spoke to Kyle Wyman earlier as well on the Ducati, and he was saying he can't wait to go up there because he reckons with the new winglets on the Ducati, right. he's just going to be full jack. Oh, right. And he's like, you, you know, if you notice on that the, the the stories that we ran on how close the finish last year with Heron and Bobier, their front tires are like this much off yeah, the ground. Oh, really? At the finish line, which is because all... I guess they're doing what 160 over the top. Yeah, probably. Probably, yeah. They 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 told me today actually that the top speed's faster on that back straight, you know, going towards turn five. Yeah, <clears throat> that's at, that has a higher top speed than the front straight. Wow, which I didn't think but about. It's, but it's, maybe it's the hill. It is scary when you think like the speeds that they get around this track. You know, because it's quite narrow, right? You know, in terms of you know the width of the actual circuit itself is narrow, but a lot of the corners on TV they look really stop start. But even like here, turn one down the hill into turn three, it's the turn one is not slow is it it's, no. it's fast you know? right so you think wow they're actually carrying a lot of momentum onto the onto the straights what the so you talked about knock hill for yeah. that going that was just the, the bump because so, like, oh, so the whole circuit what what does it look what does it remind you of if does it remind you of anything yeah i think it reminded me a little bit of brands hatch um on the, the, the full gp circuit so when the indie circuit kind of comes back around onto clearways and you go off onto the back straight down to what I can't even think of the name. Is it Coopers? Maybe it's called Coopers. Mm-hmm. Or through Sterling, not Sterling. So you go through Sterling's, and it kind of goes up the rise and then down the old circuit, if you like, where they used to do World Superbike there. And just the closeness, I think, of the concrete walls. And you still got the odd little bail on a bridge. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. That just reminded me of that. But one of the tracks I haven't been to for, for probably six or seven years um, was Monza. And I think a lot of the circuit just reminded me of Monza, especially as you come out through turns, through the carousel, you got the little chicane, and then it just winds its way through. And I'm like, wow, this this could be Mons of the trees. Yeah, it's kind of tunnel-ish. Yeah, tunnel vision. Yeah, it just, right. it just looked like right. green. Yeah. You know, Cameron Bobier, it's funny when he comes out here that you relate to this, Paul. I think I've even talked to you about this. Up in his area, it gets to the point where everything turns brown, and he's always amazed when he comes back here how green it is around here. That You know, obviously uh, spring comes later here, and it's we're in full growth season right now. Do you get that, feel that way when you come here too? Yeah, probably more so than him because in Northern California, he's way more green than we are. Right, right. You know, our our stuff will, you know, our hills and everything have been really green. And then all of yeah. a sudden, like a week later, you look and it's like not green anymore. Right. And it's, it hasn't even been that hot. Yeah. But our the our foliage just turns brown really quick. But yeah. Yeah, you come here and you're like, holy smokes, you know, it's like, that's why it reminds me of Europe. Yeah. It reminds me of Germany. It's kind of got a yeah, German feel. Kind of feel yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad that I turned up and there was no snow and there's no rain. Yeah, <laughs> touch wood. Rain, you know, like the right. weather we're having in Europe this year is crazy. Well, we today we did the media tour in Milwaukee and John or from the track, you know, he's, he lives here and he was, you know, talking to us a little bit about the winters and stuff. And it was yeah. just like, I said, I, I said, I don't know if I could live here in the winter. And he looked at me and he said, you definitely could not yeah. live here in the winter. Yeah. Because he you know, knows that I kind of like the sunshine. You like the yeah, yeah, I just, I don't like being cold. And he said, yeah, you, yeah he, I couldn't make it through a winter. So <laughs> I'm not going to try now. <laughs> but the forecast this weekend is good, I think, eh? No, it's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Good. yeah Which is always good. tricky here, being that it's still kind of early spring for up here. You know, sometimes things can happen. And, it, you know, we've had crazy things from 
giant windstorms that you know remember the year that what was it the the barrel came off of one of the sides yeah. of the canopy and flipped up and oh. yeah we had a big windstorm oh, wow. and it was it was one of the holding down one of the canopies for the yosh it's like I a 55 gallon drum that was filled with just, the whole thing yeah, oh, yeah. just through it so um and it's been cold we've had 40 degrees here sometimes but it's supposed to be perfect really nice and no, that good. that'll be really good yeah um and you know the other thing about it is the fans are really into this place too. Oh, Michael, have you ever had a brat before? A bratwurst? I assume you probably know what that is. I know what it is. Okay, yeah, but no, no, no that's no. a big deal here. That's oh really? That, yeah, that's one of a big thing at the track. A lot of the concessions that sell, you know, you got to have a brat when you come to Road America. So. I try to have one a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't yet, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'll have one a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. It's definitely I go back worth five it. pounds heavier. That's good. That's all good. So I want to ask you about you. We know you from doing the paddock show, which we have, Paul and I absolutely love it. When we are at Laguna Seca and we get the riders to come over there, it's so fun. I mean, you have yeah. such energy. I don't even know how you do it. I mean, I I, I think I, you've heard me say this a bunch of times. To you, yeah. how do you keep going with this? So we don't have quite the paddock show this weekend, but can you can you tell us about sort of what you're going to be doing? Um, and yep. which is different from what you normally do, I think. Yeah, I think most people that know me know me from World Superbike. Um, and I think this is a little bit different. But I think what's important is the fact that Moto America is growing. Um, I followed the series even before Chuck and Wayne kind of took, took the mantle, you know. So I've always followed American racing. I think over the last few years, the caliber of riders, the teams, you can see even today just walking around the paddock. It's my first time in a full Moto America weekend. So just looking around and seeing even some of the teams from the junior riders, these are really nice professional setups, you know, which was a nice surprise to see that. So I think it's good. Um, I think ultimately what the series is trying to do is to engage more with the fans. So one of the things I'll be doing here also in Pittsburgh and, and Sonoma um, will be to try and just bring a little bit more of that engagement with the fan versus rider, you know, mm -hmm. allowing them to get a little bit closer. Um, it's not going to be a paddock show as such right. uh, because we don't have the infrastructure here. Um, and I think ultimately as well, I think, if I was going to be involved in something like that, just being honest, I wouldn't want it to be a carbon copy of what we do in World Superbike because I think you can always tweak and make things right. unique for, for your series. You right. know? Um, but I'll be doing uh, a lot of uh, stuff on the, the new um, Plus Live or Live Plus. I can right, Live Plus, right, Live Plus right. uh, which is going to be great. Um, so it's a while since I've done a whole weekend just of mainstream TV. So it's trying to get my head back into that, but that'll be that'll be good. Uh, and I guess just also using that platform to engage and speak to riders that maybe don't get the airtime, a lot of the airtime, you know, mm -hmm. so to actually bring out the, the characters and the young upcoming riders um, that we've got in Moto America. So I think that's going to be really nice. We started doing a little bit of that today, which was, was a load of fun. You know, mm -hmm. I had so much fun with it, the four or five guys that we took around uh, on the golf buggy today. That was great. Uh, I'm going to be doing all the podiums, which I guess is Good. probably going to be the area which will be most familiar with me because I do that in World Superbike. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I'll be doing the normal commentary stuff uh, as well. But I think the podiums is where I'll be able to bring a little bit of the flair that you guys know me from in the World Championship. And especially here at the circuit, they seem to have erected some kind of grandstand or the seating right near the podium. Yeah, so I'm just it's a nice podium, assuming yeah. fans will be able to get in there. So it'll be them watching the podium. So it'll be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I think the facility here and the way that the circuit set out will allow us to, to you know get the crowd whipped up a little bit. Uh, and I'll be doing a lot of commentary on the, the PA system around the circuit. So Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So you're going to be with Robbie, and Robbie's doing the play-by-play. -play. You're doing color commentary. I think that's how it's going to go, isn't it? 
Yeah, so I think they're still kind of tweaking things and okay. defining things, but my understanding is that obviously all the podiums I will do. Right. Um, there'll be a mixture of commentary with Robbie. Um, there'll be a few features, which is just me. There'll be me and him on, on camera. Um, and then we'll be doing a load of stuff in terms of in the box. Um, but I think one of the main ideas from, from Wade and from Chuck is to actually, as you said, use some of the experience I've got from the World Championship down in the, the pit lane in the paddock. So it may be that we're doing a dual commentary with Robbie in the box, but he throws down to me and for 10 minutes it's me and I've got a screen because I'm stood next to, I don't know, Yoshimura Suzuki or whatever it is. And I'm talking to people mid-session that way. So just trying to bring a different vibe and a different dynamic. But again, it's the first time we've done it. So we'll we'll try a few things and, and hopefully all the technical stuff works. Um, and then we can build on that and see what does work for, for the other races that I'm involved with. One of the things I'm amazed with, with you when we go to Laguna Seca is how you you know our riders. And that's what I was gonna say. You have an advantage of the fact that it, you've got to know a lot of them from Laguna. Yeah, it was really nice today, like walking in and just like young riders that I've that I've known in the past, like Braden Ort, for example. Right. He comes through the junior cup and, and I know him and he's like, oh my God, you know, and it's quite nice. And even now, just seeing JD, who I know for the last three or four years from Laguna, oh, I so great that you're here. So it's I feel like really welcome. It feels it doesn't feel like a strange paddock, which I thought maybe it would. Yeah, you know, I wasn't yeah, really sure what to expect when I came in, but everyone's been super, super friendly. Um, and I think, again, I think we talked about this over the last few years. It's probably why I'm single and I don't, don't have many friends. I don't leave the house too much. But I just, I love love racing. We talked about it just before we came on yeah. online. And you know, my life is motorsport ever since being a kid with my dad, watching racing with my dad. You know, mm-hmm. I've, just, I've always been into motorcycles, and it's just, it's just a massive part of my life. So I dedicate a lot of my spare time to looking at results and races like i watched the last two or three years races from here just to get a, an idea as we talked already about the closeness of racing and, and things like that around this track just to really understand where are the moves made what happens what goes on because i think it's really really important that if i was a fan which ultimately i am right if i was a fan what would i want to be seeing whether it's on tv whether it's a fan in the paddock whether i'm listening on a radio station what would i want to get from a moto america experience or a world superbike experience and I think different people have different ideas and, you know, everyone, it's, it's always, it's always subjective. You know, some people will say, oh, I don't like this commentator. I don't like the way he presents or she presents. So I don't really try not to get too worried about that. I right. do my own thing. I do my own style. Yeah. And if people like that, that's great. And for those that do great and the, those that don't, I'm sorry that you don't like what <laughs> I'm trying to do, but I'm trying to try to do something just a little bit different, you know, that tries to make an atmosphere because there's a lot going on in the paddock that the, general public maybe don't see right Right, because what you're doing is you're basically taking them somewhere where they can't go exactly like if you can go into somebody's truck and talk to them and show them what the inside of the truck looks like and this guy's on the other side of the fence he doesn't get to do that so yeah and it's the same with what we've tried to do with the paddock show you know this started out as being a, a stage that was used 10 or 15 minutes a day and then when dawna took it over i moved across from tv and media department into marketing and marketing now within Dorna, they fully understand we need to engage more with the fans. We need to give them this different kind of experience. And I've been really fortunate with that to be able to put my own stamp on it, to try different things. And like we had riders singing, even I think, as you said, some of your Moto America riders were singing on stage. And if you'd have said that five or six years ago, people would have gone, that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, but I mean, at Donington this year, we do a charity concert for Two Worlds for Life. And already Alvaro Bautista's agreed that he wants to do it. So right. it's you know, Moto GP star leading the World Superbike yeah. Championship, and he wants to be involved singing. And I said to him, "You know, can you sing?" No, no, but it's for charity. Let's do it. And <laughs> it's like, man, that's cool. Yeah, you know, it's, and, and I think that's something that's that's 
we've been really fortunate and able to do. And I think we're going to get an element of that this weekend. Obviously, when we go to Laguna, we're going to fully integrate once again with Moto America. Uh, Paul, we've already been speaking about how we can just enhance that fan experience. You know, the fans always love Laguna, um, not just for the World Superbike, but because the Moto America show is there as well. Mm -hmm. And they get a lot of races. It's not just two or three Superbike races. They get all the Moto America classes as well. Um, and I think we've, together, you know, I've got to know you quite well. And we've, we understand each other. We know where we're coming from. And we're kind of on the same page on a lot of things. And I think ultimately we, we want to give the fans the best experience, whether that's because they're at a world championship race or they're at a, a domestic or a national championship race. And I think that we have a platform now that we can do that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we talked last year about basic things like an autograph session. Yeah, last year there was some clashes. Right. These things happen. You know, that's, that's right. normal. As you start to grow and grow and grow, these things happen. And I think this year we've already started talking, which I think is probably a month earlier than we did last year. So... I think the fact that Moto America with Dorna are working together, the TV production that you guys put on, which again is one of the reasons I wanted to be involved in this. You know, when Chuck said, do you fancy doing this? I know it's not your normal gig, but do you fancy it? And I was quite honest and said, well, I can do it. I've done it before, but let's have a look at what we're talking about. Give me some footage. And he gave me a login and I looked at it and I watched the whole of the last race, the whole thing throughout the whole day, just stayed up through the night to watch it. And I'm like, man, this is good. The production is good. good. It's slick. You know, what, what you guys are trying to do with the resources that's available is great, you know, yeah. and the package is good, the racing is good, the content is good. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Right. You? So um, I think it's, and I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass, it's because you sat here and you've invited me on the pod. I genuinely believe that. If we look at where we're kissing game, a nice couch. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made me walk three and four times yeah, up I'm and down because you were that. too busy having dinner <laughs> or whatever. But so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you understand, you've been a fan of racing for a long time and you understand the history. Yeah. One thing that I want to ask you about, I was thinking about this today is, You've probably heard that Wayne is pretty keen on trying to do one of these transatlantic match races. Do you? I would, I, we've never heard your opinion on it. What do you think of I that? I actually went to a transatlantic race at Mallory Park. Wow. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but I remember Jamie James, Miguel de Hamel was there. Was it Vance and Hines? I'm, I'm yeah. interested in my memory. Vance and Hines was Jamie Pur James. Purple yeah. and yellow bike. Number, yeah. Did he run number 20? That was, Barry might have ran something else, but they, yeah, it might have been different. I know he was mostly Jay, he was Jamie two was two, two, so he could have been twenty. He could have just thrown a zero on it. Oh, know, maybe I just somebody I've, else. I just got a Vance and Hines bike. Yeah, it was Vance and Hines Yamaha. Yamaha. Well, you're testing me now. Purple and yellow, purple and yellow bike. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I remember being there and watching it. It was great. The crowd yeah. there. I mean, Mallory Park was a small circuit, but the likes of Haslam was racing and right. all these people. It was great. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I think also um, Stuart Higgs had mentioned something like that. Right, Stuart's big now. We've talked. Talk, they've talked. Yeah, they talk about can we do some kind of transatlantic race and, and things? I thought it was great, and, and I think as long as as long as it was put together in the correct way, you know what I mean. Like doing something just for the sake of doing it doesn't make sense. Right. Which is, you know, we talked about let's do a paddock show here, but okay, we're not ready for that yet. Much America's not ready for that yet, so. You can do that and spend a lot of money, but if it's not going to get the result you want, what's the point? And right. I mean, that's the same in whatever championship you're looking at. If you're going to do it as a one-off race, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, they were talking after one of the tests uh, where they had the GP test and World Superbike test, and Jonathan Ray was faster than pretty much the whole field on the Superbike. And someone had put, well, why don't we, at the end of the year, bring the top 10 from Superbike and the top 10 from MotoGP on their respective bikes, do a qualifying, and let them race? You know, wow, and and that was certainly in Europe. They were talking about that the same, and that would be, I think, that would be sold out because people would be yeah. like, oh, "This never happened before." And I think if you're going to do a match race or a transatlantic trophy race, I think you'd have to look at how how it was done. I think if you just copied the format from 
15, 20 years yeah. ago. Right. It, I'm not saying it would be crap, because I don't think it would be. It would still be a great spectacle. But it's like the Daytona 200. It's not the same Daytona 200 that exactly. I remember watching when it was Muzi Kawasaki and Scott Russell winning right. you know, right. on Superbikes. It's different. So things evolve. Um, but the concept, I think, is a great idea. Um, I'd actually probably want to go one step further. Let's have two races at a certain part of the season in, in the States, and you fly the Brits over. And let's have two races in the UK they were and fly. To to I've not heard their conversation. Yeah. In, in my head, if I was looking at promoting right. it, let's do it like that. Because if you like, when that, when I went to watch it, they went to it was Donington, maybe it was Brands, and maybe it was Mallory. But they did three circuits, but they're all British circuits. Right, they never came on. And then here. they were like, "Oh, but the Brits are winning." I'm like, "Of course, the Brits are winning because they're racing here every other weekend." <laughs> you know, unless right. you're in a world championship, and you've actually been to experience the tracks in the UK. Right, it, it wouldn't work. So I think. If they yeah, could do exactly. something like that and there was a package around it. And if, you and if our races were on the East Coast, it's not that far. Right. You yeah, wouldn't want to yeah. keep racing California, for example, wouldn't work. Because yeah. the distance is too great if you wanted to get some fans going back and forth. Yeah. But, but what do you, I mean, we're talking about championship. What do you guys think about sort of American talent in the world championship? And obviously, Jake Gagne, he had a year with, with Red Bull 100. It didn't work out and he came back. For me, I think Jake still deserved another shot, you right. know, in my opinion. You know, um, I got to know Jake really well. He did everything I thought right. Yeah, he had a few crashes and made a few mistakes, but that's racing. You know, yeah. it's his first year in Europe, you know. You know, it's a tough situation because it seems like we, a lot of these, we make excuses. The situation with Jake, you know, there was some team infrastructure things. When Josh Heron raced in Moto2, there were some team things with that. Yeah. His teammate was Johan Zarco. That was interesting. I think if Josh Heron went back over now, he's a different rider than he was then. Yeah. It, but it sounds like everybody that's gone over and tried to do something, we we are making excuses for them. And it just and that's why one of the things that's prevented Cameron from taking that step because he wants to make sure it's something that's solid and good for him and he, he can actually win on it. You know, it's a competitive situation. So Do you think that I mean, I know Cameron quite well, I'm not saying anything right. bad about Cameron, but do you think it's because is there an element of I don't want to say that they're comfortable, but oh, the, that's it. But the salaries that are paid over here—I mean, if I, I've got a lot of friends in, in the British Championship, and the salaries and the potential money that riders can earn in America compared to VSB, etc., is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's a reason or that's why Cameron's doing it, but what I'm saying is—is is that a factor? Because for sure, going to—I don't know. Let's say Cameron was to go to a Yamaha team, and it was the team of I don't know Malandri Course. If, if, if let's say right. Malandri wasn't on that bike this right. year, and it was it was Cameron. For sure, he wouldn't have been on. I don't know what he gets paid here, but we're, we're talking hundred grand minimum, aren't we? We so it's big money that he can earn, right? He wouldn't necessarily have had that opportunity Not in all, Europe, yeah. And I don't know the salaries of Melandri and all of the bonuses that they get paid, but from what a lot of people say, they say that's actually a fact. It's not just here, but it's also in, in Australia. It's the same. We have there's been great quick riders in Australia, but they prefer to stay in Australia because they can earn better bonuses if they're winning races. I mean, I don't know, maybe you know it more than me, but yeah, I think it just. I just think it comes down to how bad you want to be world champion. Yeah. You know? As simple as that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I always have this conversation with people. It's like, if you come from a, if you come from an upbringing or a country that you want to get out of, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're that you, you, you're going to have an advantage over somebody I think that's already comfortable. Yeah. You know, I think you find that in tennis. I think you find it that in any yeah, sport. Yeah, like, sports. I would yeah, yeah. never bet against somebody from a worn, torn country kind of a thing. <laughs> you, no, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> because that guy, <laughs> seriously, that guy wants it more. Yeah, yeah. Than, you know, it's, 
you know, no, I see where you're you know what I mean? You live, yeah, yeah, yeah. you live in Southern California, you live whatever, and you, you, you know, you've got everything yeah. you need. But, but I think I also take your point that if we're talking about Cameron, it's not just Cameron, but there is no point of a rider of, cali- of Cameron's caliber going across on a bike that's only capable of finishing 10th. Right. Why would you? Well, exactly. That is a why would you? Right. You know, you, you're better off staying where you are. But yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know, it's difficult because I'm not, I'm not on that side with, with running a team, but, you know, again, with the job that I've got, I've been lucky to go and see riders and championships around the world. And you see, even again now, we've got some young Australian riders, super, super fast, but they're not being given a shot by European teams or right. European team managers or rider managers because whether it's a money thing, I don't know. But I mean, even just looking in Moto America, you've got some really quick riders, like really super quick. I mean, PJ Jacobson is a prime example. I got to know PJ really well, runner up at the World Super Sport Championship, really nice guy. Didn't work out for him in Superbike. He's come back over here. And again, people are, PJ's going to walk. He's going to piss into the distance by 10 seconds. And I said to someone in Aikman, which is a big show in in Italy at the end of November, beginning of November, and I said, I'm not discrediting PJ. He almost won a world championship. The guy can ride a bike. Yeah. But the level in Moto America, looking at the past, look at the races that we saw with with Garrett, with JD, with these guys. These are fast. These have got some really fast kids, some fast talent here. And you look at it now, and again, there's been weather things that have happened, mechanical issues, these things can happen. But PJ's not head and shoulders above everybody. He's right. still riding really, really well, but you've got the legs of Hayden. No, he's going to have a dance for a long you know, time. It's, it's, and, and that comes back to my point that, you know, if we look around the next riders from Moto America or BSB, even British Championship, everyone raves about BSB, and I'm not knocking it. It's a fantastic championship. It's run really well. It's promoted fantastically. But again, not no disrespect to the leading riders, but they're not making choices to go into the world championship. They want to stay there. And I don't know. No, but the kid clearly wants to be a world champion. So he's, he's got himself go. into that position. You can have a learning year and learn. And, and that was my point I was trying to make about Jake is that Gagne, for me, should have had another chance. Right. With a team. I don't know what team it would have been, but he now knows the circuit. He knows how the world championship works. And there wasn't a bike. So he comes back. Now, great, he's landed on his feet. The Shiba... BMW yep. is a really professional team. Yeah, Shaibi. Yes, that's okay. Um, it's my English accent. No, no. you're so complaining about being next. I'm to just, race, I'm I'm just trying to help you for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You have to sit, talk about Shaibi racing. But you know, the, the, the point is, he's landed on his feet. He's got a good team. Same with yeah. with with um, Celtic racing with PJ. These are yeah. good professional teams. So that's that's great that they've got that. But right. where are the opportunities for these next up and coming riders to go to? I think Sean, when Sean said that we. We make excuses for him, and I think he's he's right. I mean, the bottom line is any opportunity we've had of late, we haven't done enough. Yeah. But I also think, I also think they have to do more. I think if you go over there as an American, you probably have to do a bit more than yeah. a guy that's there from Italy or a guy that's there from Spain. Yeah. And I think it just shows that it's not easy. It's not even close to being easy. Like I remember when Schwantz went and when Wayne went, they didn't have, they didn't have instant results, but they did kind of, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, right away they were, they were there yeah. and you knew they were there and they were there to yeah. stay and they just kept moving forward and they did it quickly. Yeah. And I think now when you compare it, you know, we send somebody over there and it's like, God, you're 15th or 17th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why aren't you fifth or why aren't you sixth or yeah. whatever? But, it's just it's just difficult because like we like you say when they come over here yeah you know it it shows how good we actually are for sure 
but I think it's just a different deal when you're going over there, you're in a different team, you're in a different country at a track maybe you haven't been to. Yeah. I would like to see somebody, I would like to see one of our top guys go over there with a, on a really good team yeah. with a season of off-season of testing. Yeah, the proper program. The, the proper, proper program. program. Yeah. And then if they fail, then okay, they but fail. At least they'd give it a show. But I think some yeah. of the excuses that we come up for them with – for them is actually a lot of those excuses are kind of legitimate that they kind of get thrown in the deep end and maybe not with a good for team sure. and not yeah, with a good sure. bike. For sure. Because I do think there's a lot of talent here. I yeah. just don't think there just hasn't been the right. And it, it you know, as we, it might not, it might be some kid now that's racing in junior cup. That's going to be yeah. the first guy that makes that step. But, but so it's, far, it's not just on the bike, is it? I mean, you know yourself with the, the history and the time that you've been involved in this. What? Well, yes, you've got to have the right bike, the right package. You've got to be able to twist the wrist and all that. That's that's normal. Mm-hmm. But now it, it is a business, isn't it? I mean, I see it certainly in the World Championship. It's People are watching nonstop from the minute you get to the airport and you're doing a stupid Instagram story. Every man and his dog is watching whatever you do. Right. All the time. Now, you can never right. get away from that. And one of the things that I think the Europeans are really good at, especially the French, the Spanish, the Italians... They are trained. They are schooled in that. So if you go to any of the riders, for example, in the Junior World Championship, 90% of them will have an up-to-date website. They're on social media. They have Twitter. They're on Instagram. They're bum, 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 bum. You know, they're doing all the stuff off track that maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, you never needed to do that. Right. You know? Right. Um, I think that's also a differentiator because, because it is a business. Potential teams, potential sponsors are looking at, well, what return are we going to get? You know, so sometimes they'll go, actually, we can take this rider because he's got 200,000 followers. We know he's not going to win a world championship. He might win the odd race, but for our brand and for us to get that money, which gets this rider on the second bike, that's what we're going to go down that. Mm. And also, if you remember, if you remember back when, like, when Kenny went and Eddie went and Wayne went, you know, there there was like, and John Hopkins went, it was like, there, there was also... At that point in time, there was like a Kenny Roberts who was an American team owner, and he naturally wanted to have an American rider. Yeah. And yeah. then when he got the American rider that he wanted, whether it was uh, Baldwin or Wayne or yeah. Mamola, they yeah. came into a team that kind of already yeah. felt like family because it's an American yeah. guy with an. It's basically an American team. Yeah. Well, once those team owners stopped, the and, it's, stopped. and it's an Italian team yeah. owner or a Spanish team yeah. owner, they're going to naturally gravitate towards the Spanish kid they've yeah. known since he was five or six years old. Yeah. But that's like when EBR was in the championship and they got a lot of stick. And okay, the bike was never going to win the world championship. But I guess the, the the point there is exactly what you just said. They went for two American riders. They gave two Americans an opportunity. They gave them a chance yeah. for the season. It was fully funded. Okay, they struggled. The bike wasn't always 100% reliable. But the, the principle of what they were trying to do completely underlines what you just said. You know, And then they did try and come back the following year, I think, with Nicola Canapa and they scored some points and right. they did make a step then sadly it all it all ended but but that's the that is the, the yeah like if wayne for example had a world superbike team now he the, would have two americans on American, it. Yeah, yeah. and who and and they'd probably be really successful they'd go to somebody with they, that they felt comfortable with they'd have some guidance yeah. in their own language somebody to help them make feel it make them yeah. feel at home and their 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 results would be different yeah. you know but, it's funny you mentioned ebr i was going to bring this up so I had written a story a couple weeks ago, more than that maybe, when I had seen on 
Facebook, Jeff May had mentioned he was going to be racing here. And so I got in touch with him. We talked about it. I did a story. And I think, I think I mentioned to him about you being here, and I don't know if he knew it. So I know he has a relationship with you from World Superbike and stuff. Yeah. He was so happy that he was racing here and you were I just actually here saw them in the, the ice cream shop. Oh, Anyone that knows me, I've got a massive sweet too. So I went in there to get a soda and an ice cream and he was in there with his wife, Jody, and they ended up buying me the ice cream. So thanks, thanks, thanks. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's the thing. We've talked about the fact that the margin of victory is pretty close here. We know last year and the year before has it's kind of been the turning point for Cameron Bobier. So what do you think is the story this weekend? Do you think this is another case where Cameron's going to turn it around? Do you think Tony's going to come back you know what do you think paul well i think it'd be hard to bet against cameron just based on the past but then also when you look at those margin of victories those could have easily just gone yeah. to whoever was second like i think in that story i wrote roger lee missed out on winning races like three of them by yeah, yeah, yeah. you know less than half a second combined mm -hmm. but i do think i think to for cameron to get his season going again like he did last year i would expect that he would Winning both races here would be something that would be hugely beneficial to him, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. That being said, I also wouldn't be surprised if Tony pulls something out here as well. Mm -hmm. I think those. I think if you look at if you if you base it on what we've seen in the in the last few years, you you have to go into every race thinking that one or those two guys will win, and then every once in a while someone else is going to win. But I think if you had to, do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, every single race, those two guys have the ability to win. Yeah. The other guys kind of bounce in and out, but they don't line up every race as being the two guys. See, I, I see the outside bet this weekend, <clears throat> Garrett Gurlow. I'm the, well, I was going to say yeah. that. I'm the same I, way. I was watching on TV. Oh, so you race, saw. Okay. I wanted to like, reach into the TV and give that guy a Kleenex. I was like, man, come on, don't cry. Can you don't, believe don't, that? That was incredible. Yeah. But you know what that, that showed to me? That's a kid who is super, super talented, really nice guy off the track as well, from what I know of him. Yeah. That is just a guy who wants to win. Yes. Oh, and that's, yeah. that's, that wasn't the case of him being a sort. I don't think he was. No. I mean, I don't know. I've not had a chance no, to speak to him. I, I think that was just a case of, man, I give it my all. It wasn't good enough. What have I got to do yeah. to win a race? And know? I think and he saw that as an, as an opportunity that slipped yeah. away. And I think it also hurts when it's a guy that you've been racing against for a long time yeah, and yeah. he gets it before yeah. you do. The same thing happened with Kevin and Wayne Rainey. You know, when Kevin yeah. won that Japanese Grand Prix, yeah. I know that Wayne was probably particularly upset about that. Yeah, yeah. Not because he doesn't want success. Well, yeah, in that case, he didn't want success for the guy. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but in these two, I think they want success for each other. But I think it was a blow to Garrett yeah. that that was... Garrett wouldn't have cried and, 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 and been as emotional after that race if Cameron Bobier would have won or if Tony would have won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I think it just was particularly hurtful yeah. when it was JD. Yeah. And it probably would have worked the other way. But, what a but I think you're right with Garrett. I think yeah. Garrett's one of those guys, and I've seen it before, where it takes a little while, but once they win one, they could win four in a row. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I kind of jumped on you when you said that. I didn't get a chance for, give you a chance to get it all out, but I completely agree with you about Garrett. He has always been motivated by things like that. I mean, all riders are, I understand yeah, that. For sure. But I think that's going to make him stronger for this round, if not one coming up. Yeah. He's going to get a win pretty soon. And JD's easier. confidence is going to be scarred. Oh, up. big time, yeah. You know, and as I said, Matthew's still getting used to a different electronics package. Yeah. Going on there. But again, given the right circumstances, you never know, eh? Yeah, well, that's the beauty of Heron as well. I mean, right. Heron, you know, for sure, he's got to be well, He was second last year by, yeah. you know. You know. And then you go into super and that's penis. I think separated them. Yeah. That's how small the gap was. 
That's small. That's small. That's, that is quite that's small. small. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But but really, like you know, the first thing is of course Cameron and Tony. But look who we how, look how many writers we talked about. Right. That are possible. And yeah, yeah. that's that proves the depth of that the class. Well, and it also so makes good. it so the championship's never really over. Yeah. Because there, sometimes there's been championships where only two guys, one or two guys, those two guys are going to either be first yeah, or yeah, second. Yeah. So you only gain five points on the guy. Yeah. But when you win and that guy gets fifth, because there's four other guys in there, suddenly the championship's sure. back. Yeah. And Super Sport, what do you think about Super Sport? I tell you what, the I got to speak to him today for the first time, and I was so impressed. Sean Dylan Kelly. Oh, my gosh. What a kid. Yeah. yeah. We what had him on guy. this, and he seems like he's 30 and not yeah. 17. Yeah. Like, I literally spoke to him, and he was... Oh, great to see you. How are you? Talked and, and just chatting. Probably twenty five. I only went to, oh, to say hello. Twenty five minutes later, we're still chatting away. Yeah, and no, he's know, good. And he's got a good crew around him. He you does. Know, with with Chris Ulrich and that team, you know, they're going to nurture him. And yeah, he for me is someone that, again, just from what I've seen on the races so far, and certainly the way that he conducted himself in the paddock. Again, maybe it's because he, oh, it's Michael. I've got to be, I've got to say the right thing. But I don't think it was. No, he, that's he just, how he is. With he everybody. just genuinely seemed like a really nice. Yeah, he's so man. nice. You think he's killed somebody in the bones? <laughs> yeah. Right? Seriously, you're like, he can't be this nice. Yeah. It's kind of like Sean Bice, except I know he does have bones in the Yeah, you've got to watch out right? for people. But because... seriously, sometimes people are so nice, you're like, okay, yeah, this no, there's something wrong there. Yeah. But I mean, just going back to what we were talking about in terms of future talent, future champions, this kid is what, just turned 17? Yeah, just. Just turned 17. Yeah. And what no, a he's amazing. He's a mature he's a head on his talent. shoulders. And, and really... that's, that's maybe, who knows, that might be the next that's kid the, yeah. that makes a difference. You know, you just yeah. don't know, but he's definitely on the right path i think he's still i think he's still maybe a year away from winning yeah. here but i think he's but it's his first close. season on a big bike right? oh no I mean, that's what i mean red bull rookies and yeah. smaller motor three right. style bikes onto this bigger but bike you give him another year and yeah nice. i think it depends what he wants to do with his career you know i think yeah. he's he told us on the podcast that his goal is, is to get back to europe yeah. which i'll more power to him yeah but i think you know, I but can see him being here racing superbikes and winning yeah. races too. So, and also, you want he wants to go to Europe, but there's many different avenues to go to Europe. You know, how right. deep is your pocket? If you want to go to Moto Three, you've got to probably go through FIM, CV, Repsol. There, you're looking at two hundred grand before you even get started. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I still think a young guy who has success here in in our superbike series could go directly to World Superbike. Don't you agree? Yeah, well, I was going to say the, the the idea or the the, the route. I mean, I don't know who's advising him. I'm sure he's got some good people around him. But the roots at that age, that young, would be to say, okay, the ultimate goal is you want to be MotoGP. Every rider's going to say that. That's mm -hmm. ultimately where you want to go. There's nothing wrong with going and spending one or two seasons in World Supersport. You're 19 by the end of it. You yeah. know, you've won a few races. You're a world champion, whatever. That door will open up now because of the way that Dorna, you know, they own both championships. So they exactly. are going to be able to open doors and things like that. And, and they do want an American. Yeah, for sure. And I think what Alvaro's done in World Superbike, as much as okay, he's winning races and he's proving, you know, he's, he's one of the fastest riders out there. I think issues maybe with the bike. I mean, Thailand, the bike was 17 kilometers faster than anything else. So Crazy. that's it, you know, but that's, that's racing. They didn't say that a couple of years ago when they had to turn Jonathan's bike down, you know, so... That's the rules, but I think that what, what that has proven is that now all of a sudden you've got a lot of riders interested in World Superbike again. And it's, I think, all championships, again, you may agree or not agree, but championships always go through this cycle. You know, if you, I remember being at, at Brands Hatch in World Superbike with 120,000 people, then being at the GP and there's 35, 40,000 right, people, right. you know, and now it's gone the other way. And the same with BSB. I mean, in the, there was days when James Hayden was riding and Sean Emmett, 
14 or 15 bikes on the grid. Now you've got 28 bikes on the grid. Right. And it always just goes like this. And it, that's why I, I never tried to get involved too much on social media and, and retaliate because it just winds me up. I'm like, you can't, is it? It does. You're yeah. just comparing apples with grapes, you know? It's just, <laughs> I mean, I spoke with Carl Wyman today. We did a whole feature about the difference between his Ducati and oh, Alvaro's Ducati. And we actually they had all the fairings off and we were able to wow. get real up close mm-hmm. and, and do that. And obviously I've been lucky enough to get quite close to the Ducati World Superbike. Not as close as we did today with Kyle's, but... It was really, really interesting that to the spectator at home, and even to me, the similar things he was talking about, that's nowhere near the bike right. that, that Alvaro's riding. Nowhere yeah. near the bike that he's riding. It's a stock bike with the lights off with a, with a World Superbike spec ignition. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. But the way that he was able to explain it, and again, if you're watching it on the, the live show uh, over the weekend, the fans, I think, will be in for a real t- that's treat cool. because we got really close to it. We could see the different... Um, not just from the electronics point, but the different exhaust systems, the different aerodynamics, the different suspensions. It was a really, really nice um, nice feature. And again, that just comes back to the point that we're saying in terms of what are we comparing yeah, this with? Right. You know, it, it's, you've got to compare it apples with apples. Right. And we're not. You know, you can only do a direct reference. But even if you're comparing apples with apples, look, you've got to look at different teammates, Bautista versus Jazz everyone's all of a sudden saying that Chaz Davies, who's been in the top three in the World Championship for the last three or four years, suddenly can't ride a bike. Right. No, the guy had a massive crash in testing. He's never ridden a bike with these aerodynamics. And funny enough, Kyle kind of backed this up. He said, the fact that in the past I've ridden bikes without these winglets, now I get on a bike, the downforce, the way this bike is planted is so different. Alvaro Bautista's come into a World Championship riding these winglets for two or three years on the Ducati and Mosa right. GP. And yeah. there's sometimes just certain riders are more comfortable on a bike than another That's it. guy. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like anything else, yeah. you know? But your rules in, in Moto America, they are similar to, they're not BS, but you, you have electronics, full electronics. Yeah, no, it's it's very close. It's to close to, yeah, it's supposed to, yeah, that was the intention to get it there. But you know, it's funny, you mentioned that about like Batista's bike in Wyman's. A couple of years ago, I couldn't believe how different those potty Yamahas were to the factory. Yeah. And they're maybe a little closer now, but the, it didn't look like the same bike. Yeah. The tank and everything is different. There's a yeah, lot yeah. of, the suspension's a lot softer, I guess, on the World Superbike. Cameron said that when he went over and raced in yeah. Don, that one in Donington. But, you know, you'd think it's the same motorcycle, but it really isn't. You know, that, exactly. But I guess, you know, to the spectator on the side, it's so easy to be a keyboard warrior and just go, boom, 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 boom. It's like, no, nah, mate, it's, it's not like that. Right. You know? And that, again, comes back to what we're saying, you know, which next, or who is the next American rider to go across there? If you're going across there on a, let's say, a middle running team, they're still good teams. Yes. You know, but right. the difference in a world championship is you have five fully manufactured sponsored teams. So in the world superbikes, now we have 10 bikes that are all factory supported. Right. And then you've got, Another team that's a satellite team. So all of a sudden you're looking at 12th, 13th, 14th place that are all factory or semi-factory bikes. Then you're going to go in on a team. Well, the best you can really hope for, even if you ride the wheels off it, is maybe 10th or 11th. Right. And then to the keyboard <laughs> warrior, you look like a failure. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't yeah, have to go back. Yeah, what's this guy playing? He's crap. Put her off back to America. It's like, yeah. actually, give the guy some credit for what he's doing because on paper... And that's, again, what... Not infuriating, but it wound me up a little bit where people were saying that, you know, Jake last year... You know, he didn't deserve the place in the first place. And, like, he was within half a second of Leon right from the off. And in some races, he was faster than Leon. And Leon didn't win races because of where the bike was. So, again, guys, like, could, could yeah. Jake a little bit of slack here? He's never, like you said already, with the team. It's a European team. Okay, they all speak English. They can speak English. But he's an American. If the culture's different. I know that we all speak the same language, but the culture is different. Yeah. It is very, very different. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's... 
it, all these things add up, you know, you've got to, as you said, if you're going to go over there, let's take an American crew chief, let's take someone with you that is actually going to be in the box that can actually do the translation. Why did, why is Kianari in World Superbikes? Now, he's still a very good rider, but he's there because his job, purely and simply, and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, is to make sure that anything that's been fed back from Leon or from him is not lost in translation right. back to the factory. Exactly. That's why he's there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think just when you go over there, you just got to have, you got to have somebody yeah. that you can... Someone in your corner. It's like, it's like when we went with Kenny Roberts. I mean, if, 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 if my dad wasn't there, Kenny would still be trying to find the first race in his motorhome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he didn't yeah. know where he was going or what he was doing. I mean, our big joke was like his windshield was always clean. Because yeah. his motorhome was like four feet behind us everywhere we went because he was scared <laughs> of getting lost. But you got to have somebody yeah. like that that's been there, done that, that yeah. you're already comfortable with. And to, yeah. to, I think to make things a lot easier. Yeah. I wanted to ask you as well, quite interesting, because it's going to be the first time commentating on the, the Liquid Molly Junior Cup. This kid, Rocco Landers, he seems like the real deal, eh? Yeah, he's another one like Sean Dillon Kelly, you know, age, uh, wisdom beyond his age. And yeah, yeah and he's, he's been really destroying I mean, what, what he's done here, like at the first two races in Atlanta, it's like, okay, this hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, the gap was incredible. And even, in, to be fair, in the last round, where, where he started from the pit lane and scored oh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And if the, only, had... the, only, the only hiccup he's had so far has been in the in the wet race, which was... Where he didn't know that he could have come uh, in and changed time. Yeah, it was just, it was just yeah. you know, it was just one of those races. I mean, he actually did good to just keep doing what he was doing yeah, because yeah. It was, his championship lead was already good anyway, yeah. so he didn't want to do anything silly. But, but yeah, he's he seems been... Quick, he's, He's yeah. been really fast. Like, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I tried to find him today, but I didn't get a chance to find him because I wanted to kind of have a chat to him and see how, how he was. But, you know, and that's funny, too, when you see these kids, like, you'll see him, like, you know, you'll see this little kid, like, you know, popping a wheelie on his bicycle around the paddock, and you just think, like, who's that kid? And the next yeah. thing you know, he's got leathers on and a helmet, and he's doing what he does on the track, and you're like, yeah, wow, you know, he's just a kid. But that's another reason, I think, why fans should try and get to Moto America, you know, because, again, it's a very inclusive paddock. From what I'm seeing today, it's quite open. And, again, you know, there's all the trade alley, all the various stands and merchandise. And stuff, but you can get close to the riders. So mm -hmm. that kind of concept that we have in the World Championship, where, hey, you pay your money, you can come into the pitch, you can walk around, you can see the riders, you've got the autograph sessions. It's fully inclusive and interactive. And I think that, again, that's something that hopefully will start to come out this year on the TV packages that are together, that, you know, actually, this is a... It can be a family event. It's not just, yeah. you know, dad wants to go and watch the races on the track. That's great. But go look at the mini bikes. Go and, kids can come and get posters and have autographs and selfies. Yeah, and you can walk through our paddock and, and talk to 10 different riders yeah. that are just standing there yeah. out in the open with everybody. Yeah. And like, exactly. that's it's cool. It's, yeah. yeah, it's way cool. It's way different. Accessible, yeah. You know, MotoGP. And again, there's something to be said for that exclusivity too, because for some reason, those yeah. people will stand at the fence. <laughs> for two hours to hopefully yeah. get a glimpse of Valentino Rossi. I was in Qatar for the first race because I worked for the circuit there this year. And, and again, as you said, just such a different concept. But the yeah. people just hanging over the fence just for a glimpse of Valentino. Right. And not just Valentino, Marquez, Lorenzo, all of them. I don't think they moved. It was like 50 degree heat. I was melting. And these guys, just didn't, they didn't move for like four hours. It's yeah. like, okay. he's not going to come out, guys. Right. He's waiting for you to leave. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if he does, he's on. making a mad yeah, dash yeah. to wherever he's going. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's fantastic. That's one of those things where it's, if some, if you're telling somebody you can't have something, they're, they're going to want it even more. Yeah. You know, that's that philosophy, I guess. But I think that's where Superbikes, whether it's a world championship or even BSB or Moto America, that's what's always been the ethos of Superbikes, hasn't it? It's always been... You know, right, that inclusivity friendly, and yeah. friendly and yeah. family atmosphere and yeah. long may it continue. Absolutely. We should wrap this thing up. Yeah. 
Yeah, we did a good, did a good session there. I had a million more questions for you, Michael. I'll just have to ask you. And in our next podcast, or no worries. No. Okay. Well, thanks for yeah. coming. No, thanks for really thanks for coming you. to our country. I hope your ankle feels better. Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be right. <laughs> thanks, Sean. And uh, yeah, we're gonna be here all weekend. Obviously, yeah, Michael. I feel like an amateur alongside him. He knows more crap than I do. Yeah, he, he knows <laughs> what he knows is exactly right. It's crap. useless. It's useless <laughs> though. No, it's, it's useless. so much useless crap. We have less, but it means more. <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already visualizing a double act at uh, Laguna on the public show. <laughs> My yeah. mind is already going. <laughs> Anyhow, so thanks to you guys for being here, and obviously thanks to our. Uh, uh, our listeners and actually in this case maybe viewers so yep thanks for joining us and uh yeah you'll be able to catch this podcast uh on friday morning